What up, Chiefs fans? This is another edition of the Kingdom Rewind. I'm your host, Sean Dixon, and alongside me, as always, is Roman Metcalf. Roman, how's it going, bud? Good. How are you? Been off for a few weeks, but glad to be back. Yeah, we've had we've had some vacations, some some work stuff. Some I had a had a little bit of a family crisis in there, so you know we uh, it's it's good to be back. But uh, but yeah, we uh, we did we did take a couple weeks off. So so uh, hopefully hopefully that means we're refreshed and ready to go, and, and we're going to give you give you a real good show today. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, from talking before we start or started, yeah, it's, it sounds like it'll be. A, decently good show today well I, I feel like i feel like i left i i left us kind of in a, a cliffhanger because we kind of we kind of hinted about doing this show because uh you had some uh fun fun remarks about our current head coach andy reed so uh you know today we're going to do uh the uh the history of the chiefs coaches and uh to to you know to kind of to kind of hint on your thoughts of andy reed so uh, if you want to elaborate on those a little bit, we can we can go ahead and start with that. Oh yeah, I, once we get to uh, once we kind of get through the history of the coaches, then we can uh, and start talking about <laughs> it. Definitely start off on a few reasons why I'm not the biggest fan. Well, uh, definitely, and I'll make sure that uh, Chiefs fans have your Twitter handle ready. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 and maybe after. Maybe after the comment last episode, hopefully, and uh, kind of from now, maybe they will see what I'm talking about, and they won't be as upset or uh, willing to go to yeah. war with me because oh. I got some. Uh, maybe I got some pretty good points, but we'll see. We'll see what people think. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're all entitled to our opinion. So, where where we get started is is where it all started. You know, the when Lamar Hunt, you know, had this idea, and we talked about that in a previous podcast. Lamar Hunt had this idea to start his own franchise he uh he needed to you know he needed his own he needed to bring in his own coach and uh um there there were rumors that he had he had tried you know other coaches like um uh tom landry and and stuff like that and uh and they they had turned him down uh tom landry went on to to be the historic cowboys coach but uh but he ended up hiring hank stram and Hank Stram was a former coach at SMU, and that's where that's where uh, uh, Lamar Hunt played played some ball. Well, he didn't really play; he was kind of a bench warmer. But but uh, you know he he came to the came to the Dallas Texans at the time in 1959, and uh, you know he won he won three AFL championships with the team. He was the you know first AFL coach of the Super Bowl, which they lost to the Packers. And then he ended up winning one in in uh, in 1970 with Super Bowl four, and uh, you know he was he was the you know first real big you know success that the Chiefs had was was due to a lot of Hank Stram, and uh, but but he coached for you know several years about about 15 years, and I mean, uh, at it, least with I mean even with our the cool thing with Hank Stram. He was kind of our first coach, and he, I mean, he, as as the league was kind of coming around, we he won us a Super the first Super Bowl, uh, you know. So I think that that's something that really sticks out to me. He was able, you don't see a lot of their first few years being able to take these teams to the Super Bowl, and he, that's something he did. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was the, uh, 
that was kind of when the Chiefs won it Super Bowl four. That was also the last season of the merger, so it kind of kind of put everything full circle for the for the Chiefs. You know, when they started this whole venture, and and Hank Stram was you know one of the pioneers of that. Um, but it, it started to slip away. Uh, he you know they uh, um, after after the Super Bowl or after after winning the Super Bowl, they only saw the playoffs one other time when he was the coach of the Chiefs, and he was fired after the nineteen seventy four season. And he went on to coach a couple years with the Saints, but they were they were really bad years. And he finished his career with uh, twenty years of broadcasting after coaching. So uh, you know he he uh, he was very vocal on the sidelines, very entertaining guy. So he was he was obviously a good fit for for the broadcasting world. But unfortunately, he passed away in 2005. The biggest thing I remember from him and seeing from him on TV, because I obviously wasn't alive, but it's the the keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. And all all sideline in the Super Bowl, that was – that's that's a lot of the stuff that I remember about him. And, and and that's a they, that's the thing you know obviously the success you you want your coach to be successful and 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 you want to have winning football teams but it's also fun to see you know a coach that's animated on the sidelines and that's what Hank Stram was he was he was pretty animated he was he was a guy who wasn't you know didn't shy away you know, Tom Landry was a very you know uh, just kind of stern very quiet you know. You didn't see a lot from him on the sidelines in those days, but Hank Stram was the exact opposite. Very vocal, very, you know, he would tell a ref off if he was, if, if, if the call was bad, he, you know, his players did well. He was excited just like the players were. So it was, it was fun to see, you know, a a coach like that, especially in that era where, you know, that's a little more common now you can see, you know, lively coaches now, but back in, you know, you know, the the early sixties and seventies, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, seen as much. And, uh, but, you know, with, with, you know, it, it ended in 74 for him and the chiefs hired a guy named Paul Wigan, who was a former defensive lineman for the Browns. He went on to be an assistant coach for the 49ers. Um, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it was blah, very vanilla. You know, he was, he was 11 and 24 as a coach. So that wasn't, you know, any good. And he ended up getting fired mid season in 77 where, uh, you know, we had a guy, Tom Bettis, take over, who was an assistant for the Chiefs for several years. He was an assistant. Um, I believe Tom Bettis was an assistant during during the Super Bowl run. Um, but, uh, you know, so he, he got hired on as this interim coach, uh, Tom Bettis did, and uh, they won their first game. And it was kind of one of those things where, like, oh, new spark, new life. But then he lost the remaining six and didn't return as a coach. Uh, as a head coach, but in 88 returned as a defensive back coach to the chiefs. So, you know, they're rough, you know, Hank Stram, Hank Stram gets fired. And then they had a couple guys come in and, and it wasn't any better from where Hank Stram, Hank Stram left them. So definitely. I mean, I, was, I don't, from after Hank Stram, there wasn't really, I don't, there, in my opinion, we didn't really have a good coach until Schottenheimer came up. Yeah, I mean, Mark, they, they, there's a there's a few in here that 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 you can make a claim for, and that that didn't really, you know, it didn't make sense necessarily why they're letting go. There's a, uh, but yeah, you know, that's why you don't when you when you hear of Chiefs head coaches, it's Stram, Schottenheimer, Vermeil, <laughs> and Andy Reid. 
uh, you know, the, some of these some of these smaller names they're not known for because they just didn't do as much, and they they uh, the talent wasn't there. Even if they were winning games, they weren't winning it with like household names. You know, Marty Schottenheimer had guys. You know, well we'll get we'll get into Marty, but but he had some household names. Hank Stram had household. Hank Stram had Lynn Dawson. He had. He had uh, that defense with Willie Lanier and Buck Buchanan. He had Otis Taylor and Mike Garrett and Abner Haynes. All these, all these I, prolific players. They didn't I, have that. I can cut in real quick. I think that also you can't forget about her. I mean, he had a few big names. I mean, he was because when I was growing up. I mean, when I first started games, Herm Edwards was the guy. I mean, he was he he had Tony Gonzalez, Holmes, Trent Green, Eddie Kennison. We had we had a lot of those guys, a few a few big names. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 we'll, we'll we'll get into Herm. I'm I mean, I can probably already tell we made we may differ a little on Herm, but but uh, but you know, the he he wasn't he he had his good moments. I'll I'll leave it at that. But after Tom Bettis, you know, was was not asked to return, he just finished out his interim. The Chiefs hired Marv Levy, and Marv Levy is a a very popular name in in NFL head coaching circles. He uh he started out as a CFL head coach and won two CFL championships and became the Chiefs head coach in 78. Not too many people know he was a Chiefs head coach because he didn't do as much as he did later on in his career. But he did one of the things he did he installed the wing T uh rushing attack with uh Tony Reed and Ted McKnight in the backfield. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, they, they didn't do, the, the, the formation was great, the talent wasn't. So, so but uh, but each year he got better. Each year the team got better. He, I think he coached for like five years or something like that. Uh, and and each team, or each, each of those teams every year was, was a little bit better than before. But then we had the 82 season, which was the strike season, where, where there was a shorter season. I think he... And he coached nine games out of that season and, and went three and six. And, you know, there were no there were no playoff appearances for the Chiefs. They were getting a little bit better, but they weren't there yet. And then they had a big drop off with that season. So that was enough in Lamar Hunt's eyes to to give him the axe. Um, you know, and I say Lamar Hunt because we'll, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later about, about Lamar Hunt doing the firing and stuff. But, but the one thing I what I wanted to add about Marv Levy was, you know, four years later, he took over as the bills head coach. And in 12 years in Buffalo, he went to eight playoff appearances, won the AFC West, AFC East six times, four Super Bowl appearances back four straight Super Bowl appearances, even though they lost all of them from 90 to 93, he was still in the Super Bowl. And that was something Kansas city hadn't done since Hank Stram. And, you know, and he ended up with a 112 and 70 overall win loss record. The the guy, and he, he's a hall of famer now. He's a hall of fame head coach. He, he was, you know, the, the early nineties, the AFC was owned by Buffalo and Marv Levy, Levy was the head coach there. So, you know, it's a, I mean, I, I, I don't remember much of it then, you know, during, you know, obviously I wasn't, he was, he was fired before I was even born in Kansas city. But I wonder if, you know, chiefs fans who remember those years were upset watching him constantly take Buffalo to the Super Bowl and thinking, Hey, why couldn't he have done that for us? You know, it doesn't really, he couldn't, 
get it done. I mean, he lost what four big Super Bowls. The Bill was that like for Chip Kelly. Yeah, I mean, it's you know he had he had a lot more weapons, and uh, the offense was you know he had Thurman Thomas, he had Jim Kelly, he had he had Andre Reid, he had he had a lot more weapons. But the Chiefs had you know during that time the Chiefs had some weapons too. You know, I mean, we're jumping the gun a little bit, but that was. That was the era of Joe Montana and Marcus Allen and Derek Thomas and that great defense. And, you know, and, and one of those, that last year they went to the Super Bowl, they beat Kansas City to get there in the AFC Championship game. So, I mean, it's it's not, I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's just kind of a fun fact that, or I don't know how fun it is. It's just an interesting fact that Marv Levy went on to have so much success in Buffalo, but but couldn't have that success in uh, in Kansas City. But um, but when they fired him in 82, they brought in John McAvick. And John McAvick's interesting because he took over in 83. And 83 is a very, uh, uh, I'll say important year for Kansas City because it was it was the year, the that offseason, Joe Delaney passed away. He drowned. We did a we did a podcast on, on the history of Joe Delaney. Um, they drafted Todd Blackledge as the number seven overall pick ahead of Jim Kelly, the aforementioned Jim Kelly, who went to four Super Bowls. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, you know, John McAvick was, this was supposed to be, he was starting his tenure with Kansas City with, with what he thought was going to be, you know, one of the best running backs in the game, his franchise quarterback. And, um, you know, he, he coached four seasons, but only had one winning one. But it was his last season in '86. They went ten and six and lost the wild card game. So he was kind of the same in the same track with uh, with Marv Levy. They were constantly getting better each year, except he actually went to the playoffs. So so there was actually some you know fruits of his labor there. But Lamar Hunt fired him just like Lamar Hunt fired Marv Levy. And the reason I keep bringing up Lamar Hunt making the firing is because you don't see that today with like Clark Hunt. You see, you see, there's a general manager, which I think there was a general manager at the time during these guys. But I don't know how much of a impact or how much of a say he had in in the personnel that Lamar Hunt did. It, it seems like there was this trend of Lamar Hunt having more say on who the coaches were and stuff, and not the GM. I mean, that was, I mean, yeah, I'll just put it, into, I mean, that was, I mean, he, he, that was his team. He could do whatever he wanted. Right. And then that, there is something to say to that. He started this whole thing. So why shouldn't he be making, making those calls? But if you kind of see, you know, a little bit of a trend there with at least the last two coaches that maybe, maybe those decisions weren't right. And and, you know, Makovic's out in 86, and they bring in Frank Gans. And I don't know much about Frank Gans. All I know is that he didn't – he coached two seasons and didn't win more than four games in either one of those seasons. So, you know, he brought in Hank Stram in the, when he started this whole thing. And Hank Stram does, you know, does his thing, wins the Super Bowl, wins a few AFL championships. You know, he was a great coach. But then the track record here is is – you know, Lamar Hunt failing to find that right guy. And even if he had him, maybe he let him go a little early. And 
So and 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 I kind of wonder if maybe he started to realize this, especially after the two years with Frank Gans, and they kind of went to crap. Because then he brings in Marty Schottenheimer with GM Carl Peterson. So now you've got a guy in the front office making some more personnel decisions. Um, you know, um, I mean, it helped it helped Carl that he had Marty Schottenheimer because Marty Schottenheimer proved to be a a pretty decent coach, but they also gave Marty a little more tenure. Like they gave him a little more time to prove himself. Uh, you know, they were going to playoffs and stuff, but you know, they didn't win. They didn't win much once they made it in the playoffs, but, but they gave Marty a little more, a little more rope to work with. And, uh, you know, plus Marty was a, a, a known name anyways. He had five years as a head coach in Cleveland where he won the, you know, three of those five years, they won the division. And uh, you know went to four playoff playoff appearances. So you don't hear that here at Cleveland and winning the division very often. Exactly, and and so so you got a guy, you got a guy, one of the few guys that's done that. I think I think the only the the two decent head coaches that ever coached Cleveland were Marty Schottenheimer and Bill Belichick. So so you know it it it's so they got. I knew it was right for him, and he pieced out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's some truth to that, absolutely. But you know, it's it's so they bring in they bring in Marty, they bring in Carl, which I think I think they brought in Carl probably first, and then together Hunt and Carl um, brought in Marty Schottenheimer. But then, but then you know your first draft, who do you take? Well, you take with the fourth overall pick, the best defensive player in the draft, and Derek Thomas. And now you've kind of you've got your GM, you've got your coach. And you've got your cornerstone of the defense right away. So, you know, he went on to pick up, you know, Joe Montana in free agency. They they didn't they never they never drafted a homegrown guy. They never drafted a first round quarterback. And that may have been what was missing from Marty Schottenheimer's tenure. Because when we got we got Joe Montana in ninety three, he was he was pretty, you know, seasoned already. He was, you know, he, he couldn't put together sixteen games. Uh, he was ailing, but it seemed like we were always Marty was always getting these retread quarterbacks, and you know the defense was always pretty stout with Neil Smith, Derek Thomas, Dale Carter, those guys. But and this, uh, could, this could just be my opinion, but I, I kind of bounced off what you said. I mean, because I feel like we've kind of gotten the Chiefs do a good job of getting up till now, do a good job of getting those like bounce off quarterbacks or, or whatever you just said. Cause I mean, look, we've had after Trent green, we had like Brody Croyle. We had uh, Matt castle. We've had some pretty crappy quarterback <laughs> on out there and got that guy. Like, <clears throat> like we did a few years ago. Like I, I never under looking back now, I never understand why we didn't do that. Uh, why? I mean, why you would want, Matt Castle leading your team. Well, you know, I mean, Matt Matt had one year in New England where he put up some good numbers, but but how I mean, much that, was, how much is that was he because he had Randy Moss, you know? <laughs> and, and he he did have Bill Belichick. Absolutely, that, absolutely, yeah. And and you know, I mean, it was with Marty Schottenheimer getting these guys like the the Joe Montana's. I mean, Steve DeBerg was his coach when he first took over. Steve DeBerg was a good quarterback. He was a retread as well. But um, Joe Montana comes in uh, later on. You end up with Elvis Gerbach. Um, 
uh, Steve Bono in between there, um, which is kind of a weird trend of 49ers quarter, quarterbacks that we got all the way up to Alex Smith. But uh, that could be that could be something for a different podcast. But you know he he's getting these retread quarterbacks, and they're getting to the playoffs. And in '93, they won they won a couple to get to the AFC Championship game, but they never got to the Super Bowl. And in ten seasons, Marty Schottenheimer had nine winning seasons. Uh, in nine of those those nine winning seasons, or, or in nine of those seasons, he either finished first or second place in the division. Um, and that was when that was back when the AFC West was five teams. Seattle was in that division, so there was five teams, and he was either in first or second place in nine of ten seasons. So we went to the playoffs seven times, and but only came out with you know you go to seven playoff you go to seven different seasons going to the playoffs, you should win more than three games, and he didn't. He only won three playoff games, and um, after you know a, a ninety-seven season where they were the number one team in the league, they were thirteen and three, and they you know uh, lost in the division round to Denver. They had a, a skid you know where they missed the playoffs in ninety-eight. And it's the only season, the only, uh, I believe it's the only season he missed the playoffs was in 98. And uh, he, uh, or no, 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 not the only, the only losing season he had was in 98. And uh, he, he resigned after that season. Um, he went on to coach the Redskins and Chargers. Uh, you know, I think he only did one year with the Redskins, but had, had few, a few successful years with the Chargers, but still never got got to the Super Bowl and uh you know unfortunately he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2011 so and he's still battling that today um, it, it, I mean I wasn't alive to to watch uh you know Derek Thomas Bill Smith and all those guys play but it, it kills me like the uh the NFL what the NFL network did and stuff on Derek Thomas the and all all sorts of stuff it kills me that they did that because he was he, he was probably the he's by far I think the best chief that I've seen on defense, and he de- he deserved nothing more than a Super Bowl ring. And he played his excuse my French played his ass off. Derek Derek Thomas was was the guy, and he really should have really won. But yeah, they, I mean, you get on you get on social media and you see these posts that I've I've seen several of them where it's like name the chief that you wish could have won a won a Super Bowl. My answer is always Derek Thomas. It's I mean he, I I grew up like the guy was like my hero and and uh, you know I've mentioned that several in several several of these podcasts how much how how much I love Derek Thomas. But you know I- that whole team you know the 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 Dale Carter Neil Smith all those guys they had. They had all the pieces, and they had them for for a long stretch. It wasn't like one year, like you know, in 03, the Chiefs had this great offense, and they you know looked like they could put it together. But that was just one year. This was like an entire decade of them being dominant in the regular season, and then just choking in the playoffs. And it's it was, it was really sad. Uh, I felt for Marty Schottenheimer. Marty Schottenheimer deserved it. He was a good coach. You know, he was. He was you know he was one of those players coaches where the players you know loved to rally around him and stuff and. And it was uh, it was it was sad to see him go without a ring, um, but when he resigned, you know, uh, defensive coordinator Gunther Cunningham uh, took over in '99. They just hired within, and uh, Gunther was 500 throughout two years. Um, 
missed the playoffs in both seasons. Uh, they were, I think they were seven and nine and nine and seven or something like that. Vice versa. I don't know. He ended up 16 and 16 overall, but uh, the weird thing about Gunther Cunningham was, yeah, I mean, he was a great coordinator and, and, and the defensive players loved Gunther Cunningham. He was, he was really, really a harsh dude. Like just, just, I mean, he had no, no qualms about cussing you out on the field or anything like that. He was just a really, you know, rough, hard nosed guy. But, uh, but after, you know, after the two years, after the, I believe it was the 2000 season, uh, he was fired, but he didn't find out that he was fired until, uh, he read it on the team website. Like management never told him. Carl Peterson never went up to him and said, Hey Gunther, we're, we're going to, we're going to cut ties. We're, we're done here. No, he reads it on the team website, which I don't know how often you go to the team website, but I always feel like they're the last at reporting news especially in this age with Twitter and all that stuff. If you want to see, you know, uh, you know, chiefs news, getting it from the chiefs websites, kind of, uh, kind of late, (laughs) late in the game. Your best bet is going to be Twitter. I mean, I I feel like maybe at Instagram, because it seems like ESP and they, they will, they'll put stuff up, but it, it, yeah, it's really, I mean, in this day and age, it's, all the sports news really good for Twitter first before any other site. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, um, and I'm really surprised and I, I know this is like a football show and stuff, but I'm really surprised it didn't go through. I didn't, uh, I'm going to go back a few when, when, uh, Kobe died, like you didn't, nobody, that was not on Twitter. That was TMZ. And I found that, I found that out on Facebook. Now, I know Facebook is not that reliable, but still, it's crazy that that went through Facebook first instead of Twitter. Right, yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it is, um, yeah, this time, back then, they didn't have things like Twitter or TMZ or anything like that. So, <clears throat> so I mean, I remember, I remember getting my news still from the newspaper back then. So, I'd always get the, uh, get the, uh, Wichita Eagle, and I would, uh, uh, go to the football section and like there's a really small paragraph where they would like list like transactions just to see if the Chiefs picked up anybody or anything like that. You know, that was like my daily routine. But uh, now I just, I turn on my phone, usually I have some notifications and and I mean, that's that Twitter's how I get my news. Twitter's how I got the Chris Jones contract. You know, I, I found that on Twitter, the Pat Mahomes deal, which congratulations to the both of them. That's, you know, while we were gone, uh, you know, two of the most prolific players on our team right now, uh, signed big, big time deals. So they're here, here in Kansas city for a long time. So congratulations to those two, just a little segue into that. I, I, yeah, don't, don't get me started. I, I I agree with Pat's contract and I love every bit of it. And I love that they brought back, Jones. but I'm going to say that after him being kind of a crybaby, he finally got his way, but they better, I, all I'm saying is they better find money and find a way to pay Kelsey, Hill and, and get those guys because they, it's, I feel like they just kind of gave away all their money now, and now it's just kind of like down the drain. And will we have money to pay those guys? Well, you know, I mean, that's all. I mean, uh, for we'll yeah. probably, we'll probably, you know, do that on a different podcast, but it is interesting points. I don't know if I was 100% for the Chris Jones contract. Love Chris Jones as a player. I think he's one, you know, he is the second best defensive tackle right now in the game next to Aaron Donald. And, you know, but we've seen it. I, I, think, I think Chiefs fans have been burned before with these big defensive contracts. Eric Berry, Justin Houston, it, it, 
it's you know it, you you love these guys and 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 you root for them on Sunday and and you have no issue with them as a player. You just when you sign right. that big deal, what happens if they get injured? What happens if you know if they can't put together sixteen games after that and you're tied all this money into them? You know, I think that's the concern. Aaron Donald, and I'll tell you one reason: he's got a Super Bowl ring. Plain and simple, he plays better, and he's got a Super Bowl ring. What is Aaron Donald? Your season. A few games in the season, and that's it. I Super mean, Bowl appearance. I mean, <laughs> and they played absolute garbage. I mean, that was the worst Super Bowl I think I've ever watched. Yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it that yeah, that was. I just, I think I just was I was upset before it because you know the Chiefs weren't in it, but <laughs> but uh, you know, but but you know, getting back to to this, we you know. Um, the the you know so dick so gunther Honeyham finds out on the team website and and there was some you know i don't know if he filed like a grievance or anything like that you know i don't all those workplace things you know you hear you hear later on the, when there was like a settlement or whatever for that but i don't know if that happened but but in 2001 they bring in dick vermeil and dick vermeil was the uh famous eagles and rams coach he you know, a couple of years prior, he coached the you know greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk, and you know um, took him to the Super Bowl and won it in '99. I think Kurt Warner was MVP and Marshall Falk was Offensive Player of the Year, something like that. I know that they 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 won a handful of hardware during that you know that you know '99 2000 stretch, but uh, but he came to Kansas City in 2001. And created kind of the, a similar offense. I mean, they were very explosive with Trent Green now at quarterback. An, another retread, but he was actually, you know, pretty serviceable. But they had they they picked up Priest Holmes, which which I didn't even really know Priest Holmes when they when they picked him up. Um, he was he had a couple couple years with the Ravens. I think he had one one thousand yard season, but he wasn't really like like a household name. And they picked him up, and I remember thinking, "Who's this guy?" And he ended up exploding to being one of the one of the best running backs in franchise history. And he was a lot of basically the catalyst to that that you know 2003 offense that they had with Dick Vermeil and Trent Green. Um, you know, they had Tony Gonzalez then. Uh, you know, he was he was kind of basically the main receiver they had because you know Eddie Kennison was good. They had a couple other guys, but they weren't. They weren't, you know, they weren't the, getting the targets that Tony Gonzalez was getting. So, and then you had on special teams, you had, you know, the human joystick, Dante Hall. So they had all these weapons and stuff in, in 2003. And uh, uh, Dick Vermeil, you know, put this off, great offense in place. But I, I, I wonder if he just forgot about the defense because the, the defense was horrible during that, you know, the, the, the early stages of, of the Dick Vermeil era, especially that 03 season. And uh, I talk a lot about that 03 season because, you know, that was, it was until Pat came, it was like the most fun time to, to be a Chiefs fan because they were, they were scoring at will. They could, you know, they could do anything on the field, but it was also the, the hardest to watch because they couldn't stop anybody. I mean, they were, you know, the, the similar to, to that 2018 Chiefs team. Uh, but I just, I guess I remember it differently because it seemed a lot worse then than it was in 2018. Like, Guys like Eric Warfield and William Barty, these guys, these guys, uh, I don't. They had, you know, they had cement blocks for shoes. <laughs> they were they couldn't cover anybody, and 
and teams just light us up. And we lost, you know, the Chiefs lost in 2003 in the no punt game. Neither team punted in that game. It took a Priest Holmes fumble to to give give either team the edge in that game because you know the Chiefs defense had no plans to stop Peyton Manning or Marvin Harrison or any of those guys on the Colts team. So, um, but but Dick Vermeil put together a great offense and uh, and they were they were fun to watch. The Chiefs really ever had a plan they could stop Peyton Manning because even when he was here with Denver. We could never, it seems like we could never beat him. It would always make me so angry. I hated Peyton Manning when he played for the Broncos because they would always stomp us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's that's true. They, they, they've, they've always had, you know, Peyton Manning always had their number until the very end of his career. But, you know, I mean, that 03 season, they, they couldn't really stop it. They, they went 9-0 and to start the season, and then uh, – and then kind of fell. I think they finished thirteen and three, so they they lost three of their remaining games. Um, I remember that the, they played a, a Minnesota game where they couldn't stop anybody, and, and Minnesota lit them up. Uh, they played Denver, and uh, when we we had beat Denver earlier in the year on that on that crazy you know crazy ninety two yard punt return from Dante Hall, uh, we had beat them. But then when we went to Denver they destroyed us like they did anything they wanted and 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 uh it just you know different meal later on after that the defense got a little better but then the offense kind of slipped a little towards the end uh you know priest holmes uh had some injuries and they were able to replace him with larry johnson um and and be okay but you know just it wasn't it, it was that's all they had was larry johnson you know they weren't they weren't putting together the same balance of offense and uh, so different different meal ended up retiring in 2006 and uh, he hasn't uh, coached in the NFL since he's he's still around Kansas City I think he uh, sells wine and stuff <laughs> out of his winery and whatnot but uh, but you know uh, he retires in 06 and then Herm Edwards comes in and uh, you know I think I think we have a little difference opinion on 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 what Herm Edwards was able to do but uh, it wasn't you know yeah, he took, I have uh, I was able to look up his record and stuff. He had a fifty-four and seventy-four record. Now that was his total as a coach, but still, but the Jets and the Chiefs. But I mean, that's that's pretty bad record. Uh, now there are coaches out there that worse record than that, but that's still. Yeah. I I wonder what made them think that he was a good fit for the Chiefs. Well, I mean, he you know he was he was coaching the Jets before then. He was he he had just got I think he was fired from the Jets, uh, right in after the 05 season or after the 06 season. Sorry, um, and but he you know, in five seasons with the Jets, he went to three playoff appearances. So so he had proved some success, and I think maybe the Chiefs thought that if they could get him some better talent, uh. He could he could build on that success. The difference yeah. the difference is oh go ahead. Just because a team makes the playoffs doesn't mean. That. I mean I I feel like I hear that a lot. Like oh well they made the playoffs. Well, if they didn't win the game, they're or they made the playoffs. That's good. But the Jets aren't really that good. I don't <laughs> think they've ever really. Since I've been watching football, I've never been. Well, they, they were better when they had uh, Rex Ryan. They had, they had a couple good years there. They went to the AFC Championship game, but but yeah, you're right. For the most part, not very good. No. But 
from from that, like we should have. I guess what where I would with that is they should have looked for different alternatives than just Herm Edmonds. You know, like we should have. I, I don't know who was on the coaching market back then, but I mean, we we could have probably. A better coach, and I'm not. I don't hate on Herm Edwards. I think Herm Edwards is was a decent coach, but well, I mean, what I'll say is is that so so Herm takes over after the 06 season. The Chiefs were 10 and six in 06 in Herm Edwards last year. They failed to make the playoffs 10 and six, which is pretty pretty hard to do. But uh, and then he takes him to nine and seven. They go to the playoffs. They back into the playoffs. I remember like four teams had to like lose in week 17 and the chiefs had to win for us to actually get into the playoffs. And that actually happened. We get blown out in the wild card game against Peyton Manning. And, and then, and then he goes four and 12 and then two and 14. So, you know, he, he, he kind of, in, in my eyes, he took, he took Dick Vermeil's team and backed into the playoffs, which was a team that was, that, that, that was a playoff contending team in the first place. And then really dropped the ball. I mean, there was a lot after that, after that 07 season, he ends up trading Jared Allen away. Jared Allen was our, our best pass rusher, trade him away for a couple first round or for a first, I think, I think one first round pick or so. I remember the whole deal. I know there was a first round pick that came out of it. And, you know, we had two first round picks that next year. We take Glenn Dorsey and Brandon Albert, um, who, you know, Brandon Albert was okay. Uh, but, but Dorsey didn't pan out and, and it was just kind of a, you know, we, we had a lot of veteran turnaround to bring in these new guys and these new guys weren't very good. And so after a three year run and a, you know, ending the season on two and 14, uh, not only did Herm Edwards lose his job, but so did Carl Peterson. From from then on, and we great from her. You got even more, and we brought in Todd Haley. Now I know he come off. He was the OC for the Cardinals. He came off the Super Bowl run, but I I guess maybe I have different of opinions on how certain things are in the NFL, just from playing the game or just just forming formulating my own opinions, but. Like, like I said with Herm Edwards, just because they made the playoffs does not mean they're good, does not mean he's going to change things. And like with with uh, Todd Haley, like, just because he's fresh off the Super Bowl run or Super Bowl whatever, doesn't mean that he's going to come here and take us to the Super Bowl or make us any better than what we are or, or were. So I, 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 my biggest issue with looking at some of the history and stuff, they really should have really sat down and took a bigger look at who the coaching the coaching carousel was back then and who was out there and who could have been the best fit. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I didn't really even know Todd Haley that well. I knew, uh, you know, they, they when they said they were looking at Todd Haley, then you go back and you're like, oh, okay, he, he, he was coaching Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald in the Super Bowl, and, and they almost beat the Steelers, and and yeah, that's you know that's that's kind of the trend of how it goes. You see an OC or an offensive coordinator that come that has that has been on a successful team, and you're like, hey, that guy should be a candidate for a head coach. I mean, and like the perfect prime example here, uh, Eric Bieniemy. Do you really think 
if he leaves Kansas City, he's going to be successful anywhere else. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I do. I think I think he'll be a good coach. I mean, look what happened to Matt, or uh, who, whoever are. I should know this, but whoever left the Bears. Oh, Matt Nagy. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Matt Nagy, I think, is a good coach. I think he's. Uh, I think. Uh, I think he is uh, cursed with a uh, horrible quarterback situation. Yeah, and and he didn't make those moves. Those, those moves were already made before he got there. But uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, I think I think still give it a little time on Matt Nagy, and and I think I think Eric Bieniemy. I I just I'll never discount anyone from the Andy Reid coaching tree because it's it's just a, it, it seems like they all end up finding success somehow. Um, but Todd Haley's different. Todd Haley, you know, there there wasn't much of a name around him, and until the Cardinals went to the you know the to the Super Bowl and 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 we also brought in Scott Pioli with Todd Haley for the GM position, which Todd you know Scott Pioli was going to bring in the Patriot way because he was a in the front office with the Patriots, and and you know it. it, it it looked like they were putting, you know, some of the pieces together, you know, uh, but uh, it, it kind of got off to a rough start with, with Larry Johnson because Larry Johnson and Todd Haley butted heads. There was a report that Larry Johnson made homophobic slurs towards Todd Haley and he was suspended and then later released. But the bright spot that came out of that was Jamal Charles. We found out what we had in Jamal Charles in that first 2009 season and they only went four and 12, but Jamal Charles put up, you know, in like the last half of the season, put up a, you know, a decade's worth of highlights that, that that made 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 it appear, especially after that last game of the season in 09, they blew out the the Broncos in mile high. You know, that was that was like kind of like to me, Jamal Charles' coming out party as this feature running back. And it made it made the future look really bright for for Todd Haley and Scott Pioli. And, and that offense, you know, and they, they bring in, obviously they brought in Matt Castle that year too. And, and it looked like, you know, maybe they were actually doing something, but, and in 2010, they went to the playoffs. They once again, lose in the wild card, but then it kind of, the wheels kind of fell off, you know, 2000, 2011, Todd Haley gets this crazy idea to start, <laughs> to start all of the starters in the fourth game of the preseason. And, uh, you know, which cost our starting tight end, Tony Moyaki, his season. He got hurt. Um, the week one against Buffalo that season, Eric Berry gets hurt and go, is out for the season. Tears, I think he, he tears his Achilles or something like that. I can't remember. ACL maybe. I think that was the ACL. Uh, Jamal gets hurt the next week. He, uh, I think his was an ACL as well. And then late in the year, Matt Castle gets hurt. And, you know, they're scrounging around guys like uh, – uh, I think they ended up with Kyle Orton for a while. Um, you know, they, they were just, it was, it was just kind of, there was a lot of games where they were just getting blown out. They didn't look like they were knew what they were doing. And Todd Haley was fired, you know, towards the end of that season, you know, once, not even a year removed after making it to the playoffs, he gets fired by Scott Pioli. Now the rumor, the report was that they kind of butted heads and collided, but, but you don't see that very often. You don't see a coach get fired, you know, less than a year after taking this team to the playoffs, you know, like uh, Todd Haley did. And it's it seems like it's the same old story with these coaches is they they lose. You go to the playoffs <laughs> and you 
Like, yeah. I, and I, the thing with me is, and, and I'll I'll get with it when I when we talk about Andy Reid, but <laughs> I can't wait. Without, without, without giving too much away, I, I don't. I'm a competitor, and I I love. I'm really hard on the Chiefs because I hate seeing them lose and I hate seeing them be really good and then go to the playoffs and lose. Like, yes. I, I hate it. And I know I'm sure you do as as much as any other Chiefs fan does. But 37 years hard, of it. <laughs> I'm very hard and critical on the Chiefs because I'm a winner and I want to see them win. Like, I want to see them win. I want to see them dominate every team. I want to see them. I, I hate, I hate that we've lost and we lose and we lose and we lose. And now that we finally got everything together, like I'm going to be probably super critical of them and not, they shouldn't lose a game, especially since we just had, especially since we just signed Patrick Mahomes to a, a 12 year contract, 10, 12 year contract. We just got Chris Jones for another four years. years. Yeah. Got for another four years. And what I'll say with that is, is after him being kind of a spoiled little brat, he better bring back at least three Super Bowls out of those four years, even four. I'll take four, but I'll take I'll take three. That's fine with me. Well, I mean, so, I, I I did write an interesting article with Arrowhead Live. If anyone's interested in reading it, about how the Chiefs are setting up for a dynasty with this with with Mahomes and Jones's contract. But but that you you all can get to that later. But you know, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. This is the year we should. We probably should be critical of them. I know, I know. It, it, it's hard to say. You know, they finally give us what we've been wanting for for fifty years as a Super Bowl win. But but the way they're set up now, with with the everybody coming back and the big contracts they're handing out, and and what we did in the draft. I mean, we we went out in the draft and took a running back first round, the only team that did it. And it's because there was a thought that we didn't have any glaring needs. I think if, if 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 Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen would have been available, I think we would have taken them at the linebacker spot, but they weren't available. So they they went out. And Andy Andy basically went out and got a new toy, <laughs> not a position of need. That to me tells me that this team is is completely set up, and you never want to see a team like that fall short of their potential. And that's that's kind of how they they've been in several of these years with several of these coaches. They fell short of their potential. Now I I. I yeah, I, I mean, in in this case too as well. You know, Todd Haley's gone. They shouldn't have been that bad in 2011. Romeo, Cr- go ahead. Is, they, these guys, sorry, I mean, but they go soft. They they go soft, kind of, and they're they're just kind of lagging and dragging around at this point in the season. Like, if you're in the playoffs and you make the playoffs, you have it. You're obviously there for a reason. You have a chance to go bring back that hardware, like. Bust your butt in practice and go out there and win games. It should not be that hard. Now, I understand I'm not in the NFL, <laughs> but it should not be that hard. I mean, you shouldn't be, especially when it comes to playoff time, if you make the playoffs and you're lucky to get in because I've, that's, I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of a luck thing. And yeah. if you're not super good, and obviously we weren't really good like we are now. So we, we should have been th- uh, thankful and stuff for, for being able to, get that opportunity and re- they really should have buckled down but obviously that didn't happen until this year or the last few years right well you know and 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 i i agree to your point about the them them kind of going soft and stuff but but 
and you see you, you see that a lot with coaches all over the league after they've been there a while. But like when you see it with guys like Todd Haley, when they they just came off a playoff appearance, you just rebuilt this franchise, and then 2011, you just let the wheels fall off. You know, and and you end up losing your gig because of it. You know, you yeah, they butted heads with the GM, and that's usually the first sign of losing your gig. But but this team had talent, and Romeo Cornell took over that talent in 2011. And beat the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers were on a 19 and 0 winning streak, carried over from the previous season. They they hadn't lost a game, and they come into Arrowhead a, a week after we basically you know fired our coach, which basically means that you forfeit the season pretty much. Not not too many teams fire their coach and then go on to you know make the playoffs. But but Romeo Cornell actually had a shot at it. He beats beats Green Bay and, and and pretty handily, you know, they were they were they you know, Aaron Rodgers was playing his best football MVP caliber. And uh he ends up the next week losing in overtime to Oakland, which, you know, that ended the season pretty much for him because they couldn't afford to lose one more game. They were mathematically eliminated. But they went and beat Denver in the last week. If they'd have pulled off that overtime game against Oakland they would have actually been in the playoffs and Romeo Cornell would have taken a team that was basically giving up and put them in the playoffs. And I think that was enough for him to get signed on as a permanent head coach the following year, which ended up being, <laughs> being a nightmare <laughs> that 2012 season, may be the worst season in, in chiefs football uh, record wise, it ties for the worst season, but just with everything that happened in 2012, it was just, you know, we had the the tragedy with Javon Belcher, the murder suicide. Um, Matt Castle gets hurt in a game, and fans are cheering. And you get Eric Winston, the the right tackle, to call out all the fans and and basically yell at us. And, and it it was just just a season that every Chiefs fan wants to forget. It was it was god awful, <laughs> and uh, and it only you know it caused. Cornell and Pioli to lose their gigs afterwards. And it was the, the first step into the Andy Reid era, which is what we see now. And when I, when I bring up Andy Reid, I, you know, we've all watched for, for most of us have been fans during the entire Andy Reid era. We know what he's done. You know, he hasn't had a losing season. He's only missed the playoffs once since he's been here last year. He did what we've all wanted you know, Chiefs coaches to do and bring us a Super Bowl. But I'm going to turn it over to Roman because, you know, last time we spoke, Roman had uh, some interesting thoughts about Andy Reid, and I want I would like him to take this opportunity to elaborate on those. So, yeah, like, like we, we talked about, uh, so uh, before the show, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Andy Reid, and I'd I'm, I'm going to list off a few reasons why, and, and if, if you disagree with me, that's fine. But I'm going to go back to that season when we had the number one defense in the league, and, and you can't – I'm going to just start off by saying you cannot blame uh, – I can't even remember his name. That's how much he's not important to Kansas City. But uh, our old defensive coordinator – Bob Sutton. Yes, we were number one in the league in defense – and that it was. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. It's when we played Indy in the playoffs, and we had a 45 to nothing or 45 to 10 lead, and we let them come back. I, I'm just flat out. 
that's that starts with coaching. Like it straight up starts with coaching staff, and that was Andy Reid's fault. Like we were in prime position to win that game, to go on to potentially even make a Super Bowl run, and we let them come back. And that starts with the coaching staff. He went conservative, and we see we've seen a seen him do it quite a bit. That that's my first problem with him is he gave up that big of a lead, and obviously he's not out there playing, but he's the one making calls. He should have been more aggressive. He should have been doing stuff to, to put us in a better position when they started coming back to win the game, to go on to win the game and keep, you know, pounding the football down the Colts' throat or, or making plays. Because we had Dwayne Bow, we had Alex Smith. I believe we just had gotten Travis Kelsey. So we had we had some prime weapons in our offense to make that happen. And what did he do? He blew the lead because he, you know, obviously didn't know what he was doing, I guess, in that game. And then I, my second point with it, my second problem with Andy Reid is, you know, his, I think as everybody, his clock management sucks. I mean, he, he goes conservative in times that he shouldn't. We'll go to the Titans game. What was that? Three years ago, four years ago, that we played the Titans. Uh, yeah, it was. It was the. It was. Uh, it was Pat's rookie year, so it was 2017. Oh, and that that's exactly that's another thing is you kind of set set that one up for me is <laughs> when when the Titans started coming back because obviously we all know that's what happens when the Chiefs go to the playoffs. We get a lead and then we give it up and we lose. Hence the Colts game, but. That was Pat's first year. We should have, first of all, he should have done a better job of just coaching that game and with the game game plan. But he should have been smart enough to put in, because obviously we know now, maybe he didn't know it back then, but we have our future. Like, he should have put Patrick Mahomes in and see if the tide had turned in that third and fourth quarter. And, again, we could have gone on and won a Super Bowl or at least made a run. I'll, I'll I'll add to that that maybe even in sometimes we had a, like kind of a losing slump in 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 the middle of the late of that season maybe that should have been a time to see Patrick yeah. Mahomes as well. And I'm glad you did bring that up as well because that's another thing is we and now we didn't have the number one defense our defense was kind of garbage but we still had Derek Thomas Justin Houston Eric Berry we had those guys I believe what Chris Jones was. Was he there? Who's that? Chris Jones. Was he on that defense? God. When we yes. played the uh, Titans? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I yeah, believe so, so, so we, we had some, even if he wasn't, it doesn't matter because we still had some prime weapons on defense. We had those leaders and captains of the defense that should have gotten it done. And I, like I said, I will blame that game on Andy, not just Andy Reid, but our defense sucked. It, it just that whole season, but they should have brought they should have brought Patrick Mahomes in because, like I said on one of the last podcasts, Alex Smith is a good season quarterback. He's not a good playoff quarterback. He's not a good. I'm going to lead you to the Super Bowl quarterback. We've seen it. I mean, obviously his playing career is probably done. I don't know if you watched that thirty for thirty, but that with was, his uh, knee, ooh, man, um, that was that gross. Was, <laughs> Was, I, uh, I, f- I feel for him on that. I hope I hope he can make a comeback. But God, that that made it. Who man? 
I don't think he will because if he takes one more good lick into that leg, it's it's probably going to be ampu- have to be amputated. I don't know how it wasn't amputated to begin with. That was that was horrific. Oh. Now, I do love I do love his drive and his attitude to try to get back, but I I well, just best don't. of luck to him. I hope he does. I'm rooting for him. I I, I was always a big Alex Alex Smith supporter. He, you know, he's not Pat Mahomes, but but you know, no. he put up some good years with us, and he seems like he seems like a real good, down to earth guy. So. You know, I'm, I'm rooting for him in the comeback. Hopefully, he can make something happen. That that was another. That's my second Andy Reid take or third, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and and we'll go here with go ahead with my fourth is later earlier in the season. We I mean we were up in Denver and I know it's a freak accident and people will say oh, it's not his fault. He was, I mean he was the one that called that play. But when Patrick Mahomes lined up for the quarterback sneak and his knee pretty much was on the opposite side of his leg. There was no reason for him to call that play. That's why we have Anthony Sherman. That's why we have a fullback. We should have let him run. We should have run a fullback option or, or fullback, whatever, up the middle to get that first down. There was no reason for him to make a play call with a game that doesn't, didn't even really matter. It was uh, just a regular, it was a regular season game. There was no reason for him to do that, and I think that was a boneheaded call by Andy Reid, especially when you have somebody tough and like Anthony Sherman. That's exactly why we have him, is for things like that. Let him run up the middle if you really want to just pound it, give it to Denver, which I'm okay with. I, I, I hate Denver, but if don't do it with your superstar quarterback. Do it with Anthony Sherman or – Travis, not even Travis Kelly, one of the backup tight ends or something, you know, like not somebody that we're going to miss later on in the season. And I mean, he did come back. So, I mean, it wasn't all that bad, but still it was a boneheaded call. Now I, I'll get off my high horse and you can say whatever you got to say, but I, that, that I'm just not the biggest fan of Andy Reid. And I'd say it to his face. Like, I don't, I think that he's made some really, really stupid calls and, and stupid decisions why he's been here and the but we'll see what he does this season and from here on out because as we've seen with teams that have gone to the Super Bowl and stuff they'll they'll go they'll win and then they'll kind of dip off and they'll be really bad and I don't think that's the team we have I don't think that should happen and I don't think it will but it's always kind of sitting there in the back of my mind of, well, we just want it all. Is it going to get to their heads? Are we going to dip off? You know, so hopefully he can rein them in and, and bring, bring back a few more championships. And then maybe if he does that, then my, my mindset towards him will change a little bit. Well, I, 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 you know, Hey, I I love the takes. The only thing I'll say is uh, for you, Twitter followers, it's at Roman underscore Metcalf. 87 <laughs> if you yeah. want to let roman wait let know i think let know if you agree too i i will say this i may not be as you know on his side like as far as like how much he dislikes him but i do think chiefs fans kind of are in this stage now where we've won the super bowl and andy reed can't do any wrong where after games like that Tennessee game where, you know, we, we pissed away a, I think a two touchdown lead. Uh, 
there weren't too many Chiefs fans that weren't calling for Andy Reid's head. This, it's it. He he did he does get in these stages where, you know, especially in the Alex Smith era. In the Alex Smith era, era the play calling was conservative, and they you know a lot of Chiefs fans put that blame on Alex Smith that they said that he couldn't do it. Well, in in that in the beginning of that two thousand you know uh, seventeen season that was. That was becoming Alex Smith's best season of his career. He was throwing the ball downfield. We were taking shots. It was obvious that he could do it. There, I mean, there has to be a reason why he wasn't. I believe, and we did have Tyree Kill, so I mean that did help to have somebody who could just have that breakaway speed. I mean, all he had to do was lob it up, and Tyree Kill was down there. I mean, we see it with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. Right. Like all, all that's got to do is break off a defender, cross, cross his body, and. Tyree kills down there somewhere because he knows it. Right. I mean, that's the kind of bond that they have, the chemistry that they have. Well, I mean, but so like you look at you look at that Colts game. You brought up the Colts game. That's a that's a big one that that I blamed a lot of Andy Reid's play calling. Now I will say this: there was there was a lot of injuries in that game. Uh, Jamal goes down early. I think Jamal went down like the first drive. Uh, Nile Davis carried the rock and was doing well, and then I think he, ran- he, he went down later in the game. Um, then. Then Brandon Flowers, our starting defensive corner, goes down. Uh, so we had a lot of injuries in there, but but we had a thirty-five to ten lead in the third quarter. We had we had started that second half off with a pick six. So th- th- there's there you know you should be able to put in a junior high team and protect that lead. And and he went he went uber conservative and we you know had several three and outs and you could just feel it you could feel it slipping away when even when we had a two score lead you could feel it slipping away um then you go to the pittsburgh game in the playoffs and you know they they didn't score a single touchdown they got all field goals and they still they still beat us in arrowhead and and the same you know then tennessee two score lead we we blew that away um you know, then then the Pat era happened, and I don't put. You know, we've had we've had the one one playoff loss against New England, which we did a podcast over that. I don't put a lot of blame of that loss on Andy Reid. I think I think that was just a well fought game. It was kind of back and forth and stuff like that. And and to Andy Reid's credit, I will say this: he has a playoff record of five and five with Kansas City, five wins, five losses. The the next coach to give us a playoff win. Was Marty Schottenheimer, who has a three and seven play, win loss record in the playoffs for Kansas City, and then before that was Hank Stram, who actually has a, a a five and a five and three playoff record. So Andy Reid's done more for us in the playoffs without the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you take the Super Bowl away, he's still done more for us in the playoffs than than you know all but one of these coaches has done, and. Uh, yeah, he does. He does make you know. I, I think I think clock management is something that that I, I think he's too old to even think about fixing now. We just gotta take it with Andy Reid. Um, some of the conservativeness. I mean, I, I, there's there's still times where where I'm wondering, you know, like like you know, Pat gets off these slow starts, and you wonder if it's the play calling or stuff like that. You know why is you know or or if it's Pat's nerves or whatever you know that's kind of happened in every playoff game we got off these slow starts and Pat was just able to do it so so is is Andy Reid fixing his issues or does he just now have the weapon that can overlook those issues and that's that's going to be the question I think during 
now, which will now be there, you know, maybe 12 more years. And to kind of bat off what you were saying, like, you know, like he's too, Andy Reid's kind of too old to think about clock management and stuff. But I wonder, because they have, as it's seen in the media and stuff, they have a close relationship. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes has actually stepped up and said something to Andy and been like, you know, like, hey, you know, like your clock management sucks. Let, <laughs> let me take reins of this and, and we'll we'll deal with it. Well, or even every enemy. I, I'd much rather have Patrick Mahomes because – I mean, he's smart. As it's been proven, he's really smart. He's a field general. So, like, mm-hmm. let him take control of the clock management. Well, let, let, he's not afraid know. to take to take control in general. I mean, you saw with, with you know, hey, let's run the wasp, you know, or, or do we have time for that? You know, he's he's in the playbook. And, and, and there's obviously – he has obviously a, a large say – in some of the stuff that's going on in the field. So, so there could be a little bit of that give and take with Andy Reed. Um, I know Andy Reed sounds excited that, that he's coming back for, you know, you know, over a decade <laughs> and it sounds like Andy Reed wants to be there with him. Um, I will, I will say this. I, you know, I think, I think as long as Pat and Andy are there, I think we're still, look, we're going to look at some successful chiefs runs, hopefully, hopefully some more championships. Uh, the pressure's really on, though, because because this 2020 team, I mean, there isn't very many flaws in this roster, and I don't, you know, if if they if they were to fall off, there's going to be some blame passed around, um, uh, and and you know, I don't know, I don't know who it all go on, but you'd have to think a lot of it would go on Andy Reid. And I feel like maybe some of the biggest pressure, and I, it's may, it may not be fair to say, and people are probably going to listen to this and think, wow, he really hates Chris Jones, but like. I feel like most of, I mean, most of the pressure is on Chris Jones because all of his tweets, all of his stuff, like, I mean, I get it. He deserves his money, and I even, it, this will be for something, that, a different podcast, but I did bring up where I did, uh, to a family member of mine, I said, well, what if, why not if, I think Pat deserves his contract, and that's something he deserves, but what we should have, he, we should have waited and given what, and given Chris Jones money and paid him and give, gave him a fat contract, which we did. But, but that's before I, that was before I didn't think we were after that, after the pack signing, I'm like, there's no way he's going to be here. He's going to be a spoiled little brat. He's going to not take the money. He's not going to play on the franchise tag, but I mean, he's tweeting all this stuff out. He got his money. So he's got to step up. Like I feel like he's worth it. Yeah. Oh, and, and, We've already seen it with Patrick Mahomes. It's already there. Like it's already like I'm not worried about him, and I'm not worried about our offense. It's Chris Jones that really needs to step up and get light that fire up under everybody and get that defense going. Because if he if he dips off, then it, he's not worth the money. He's not worth the four years, eighty five mil, or or whatever. Yeah. His, I don't know if it was eighty two or eighty five. But. Well, and, and, and you kind of hinted on something earlier in the podcast about when you were talking about Chris Jones. Um, you know, we're going to have to you – know, the next big contract coming up is going to be Travis Kelsey's. And, you know, whether whether Brett Veach has, you know, thought about that – obviously he's thought about it. He's, he thinks about all these contracts. But but whether, whether you know, an extension for Travis Kelsey is in the plans may play a lot on, you know, the fact that we've already paid Chris Jones and – and so now you're looking at where, whether we're saying that we can't pay Travis Kelsey because we're paying Chris Jones, and then we start to see Chris Jones drop off, that's not going to sit well with the fan base. 
And no, not. I think I think we kind of see that now with Anthony Hitchens. We brought in Anthony Hitchens with his big money, and and he doesn't look like a big money linebacker. In fact, I thought I was thinking that that would be the reason we wouldn't sign Chris Jones. I still don't know how we put the money together. You know, Brett Veach is a wizard, but but well, you know, reaching it into old uh, old Hunt's pocket there checkbook <laughs> and just you know, I mean. Yeah, but he's still got a number he has to stick to. I mean that that cap that's that's what makes that's what makes football so great. I I love I love the sport of football because you everybody's on the same playing field, you know, and and you know it's not like the baseball where the Yankees can just pay for whatever. <laughs> and, I honestly I wish football was like baseball because there are some football players that deserve all the money that deserve a lot of money. At least he's and, under center for Kansas City. That's yeah. <laughs> he deserves all the money. Well, well, that's that too. But there are a lot of people here. I don't think I feel like I need to name that deserve a lot of money that play for the Chiefs or the Royals. Honestly, I think the biggest contract that should be next is Whit Merrifield with the Royals. But I digress. It, it's you know, like there's a lot of Chiefs players on this roster that deserve fat paychecks and fat contracts. And are are they going to get that because of the money that we just, you know, handed to both of these players? Right. One of them, both of them are really deserving, but one of them, I'd say maybe more than the other a little bit, but it's, it's scary. I mean, how long yeah. are we going to keep this, keep this train rolling with who we have, with the talent that we have now? Right. Well, and, and, you know, it's all set in place, you know, with, with these guys we've got, I think we've got, you know, like I said, the next one's Kelsey, and I think we got a couple years left on his deal. That they, they need to be, they need to be collecting trophies. I mean, that's that's the that's the expectation, and anything short is going to be a disappointment, and that's where the pressure's on everybody, and and a lot of it's on Andy Reid, and and I hope he lives up to it. I think he will. I think Andy, I I love Andy Reid. I think he's a great coach. I think he's got his flaws, but he's not Bill O'Brien, <laughs> and and. Uh, and you know, and and I'm still you know riding high off of a Super Bowl win, but uh, but that's kind of that's that's where we're gonna you know close up the show. Uh, you got you got you got talking a little bit of Royals talk, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm gonna upset all of Kansas City. I'm I'm actually a Braves fan, so I don't really follow the Royals that much. But <laughs> but uh, I, I enjoyed the Super Bowl run. Don't worry, I was I was rooting for them, you know, because my Braves weren't in it. But but uh, but uh, I'll. Uh, I'll uh, I'll let you I'll, I'll throw that in so maybe they can attack me a little bit on Twitter too Roman uh, we threw out we threw out Roman's uh, Twitter handle I'll throw out mine uh, at Sean Dixon fifty eight let me know if you if you if, if you disagree with me say if you if you fully agree with Roman and you think I was too soft let me know I I, I love to hear it um, yeah I would love to hear it too I mean I honestly like I'm one that really has never been good at taking heat but like th- this is fine like I I put it out there like. I feel like I brought some pretty valid points and I, I like to hear what other people say, but I mean, I feel like my points were pretty valid and I would like to maybe hear why they do or do not disagree with me. And maybe I feel like I can't speak for everybody, but for the people that, that would potentially come after me would say, well, he's brought a Super Bowl win. So what does any of that matter? And I have, I did think about that and I, I did, that all that has gone through my head, but still, you you can't change what has happened in the past and what could have been right. if those if what I mentioned and those certain things happened. Right. 
Hey, I'm greedy. I want, I want to, I want a few more than just one. So, so, so I'm, and I think, I think we're set up for it. Um, with, uh, with the, you know, with this podcast, we have a, we also have a Twitter handle for the podcast. It's, uh, at the rewind underscore AL. Uh, you can follow us and, and check out where we, you know, tweet out the pod or tweet out the shows on the, on, on the feed and, and tweet out a lot of other, you know, fun stuff, little, little interesting tidbits and stuff. So follow us there. Also check out Arrowhead Live. We've got a lot of, you know, a lot of good, the podcasts are all on Arrowhead Live. They're on, you can read the, the, the articles. We got, I mean, yeah, like we got, we got a podcast. We got a lot of talented guys doing that. We got a lot of talented guys writing for us. I mean, I was, I've kind of taken a break from the writing, but I, I need to get back up on that. Um, work has been kicking me in the face, but <laughs> yeah, I work yeah. in 10 hour shifts, night shifts. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, check out Arrowhead Live. I mean, we there are some really, really good hard workers over there, and I'm sure they'd appreciate any any new takers to viewing their website or their articles or their podcast. There's also merch. You can get some. Uh, you can get some. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, some cool shirts. We got the neat neat shirt says "In Beach We Trust." If you're if you're pretty excited about the moves that Brett Beach has made, that's probably a good shirt for you. Uh, but, but, you know, like I said, we were, we were off a, a couple of weeks, but Roman, it was, it's, it was really good to get back at this. I, I missed it. I'm glad we, uh, you know, I, I know we had, you know, priorities come up and sometimes that happens, but it's really good to get back and do this. Oh yes, of course. I, I'm, I'm excited for next week. Hopefully there's nothing in the way so yeah. we can, and get, um, we can get next week's show rolling and that leading that in before the close is. We, I think we should do another poll and we'll put it up there and see what they think or our yeah. listeners, whatever they want to have us do next. I think we should do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even, you know, with, with a poll or if you just want to hit us up on social media, let us know if something you want to hear. I, I'm we're, we're open to anything. We, we do this for fun. It's, it's, it's just kind of stuff we like to do. So we want to, we want to make the fans happy, but uh, that's kind of where we'll cl- close the show. Um, you know, for, for Roman Metcalf, I'm Sean Dixon. This has been another episode of the Kingdom Rewind. Uh, take care, Chiefs fans.